Hello and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, discuss, and review every horror movie on Netflix. As always, I'm Steven. I'm here with my good friends and co-hosts, Patrick. Hey! And Chris. Hi. How you guys doing? Dude, I'm hashtag alive. Really? <laughs> so we've, we've got a cold snap right here in Michigan. It's about 11 degrees outside here in Ypsilanti, and uh, it takes all my energy just to stay warm. I like a good cold snap, though. I I like, you know, I like to have a little bit of winter in my winter. It makes me less uh, sad that the planet's dying. I like to go outside, have that night. We got that nice hard snow right now. Oh, yeah. I like the hard snow, the crunchy snow. The I pe- like good packing the chill. Snow. It's yeah. sunny out, so that's great. It's It's good for the mood to have all the sun. And I don't mind the cold and the sun together. It's nice. You know, it's hilarious about it being sunny. Whenever we record the show, I'm determined to like feel like I'm in the spoiler room. So I have a blanket over my blinds right now to keep it dark in here. (laughs) That's how committed I am to the bit. All right. So we are here this week to discuss the Korean film, a Netflix original hashtag alive. But before we get into it, have you guys been up to any horror stuff lately? I know Patrick has been. Yes. I played another video game. Oh, tell us about it. All I do now is game. <laughs> yeah, I played Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. And let me tell you, you've, you've heard me talk a lot about Resident Evil games. This was one of the finest horror games I've ever played. Um, I, I recommended it to Patrick uh, very um, strongly because I, I suspect it's the horror game he's been waiting for. Very scary, but not too scary. Uh, some really kind of fun and imaginative uh, spooky things. It takes a little while to hit its stride, but uh, I uh, am so excited. And I'm super excited for the upcoming Resident Evil 8 Village, which comes out in May. Um, I haven't bought like a new video game in years. I'm going to buy this like the day it comes out. I can't wait. They're taking like a gothic horror approach. There's vampires. There's werewolves. There's... Uh, uh, goth girlfriends there's all kinds of things that you'll want to see in a horror game but i'm super excited because there's no supernatural horror in resident evil so i can't wait to see what kind of like weird laboratory experiment they come up with to justify why there's vampires and werewolves right. in, in this game um it's going to be fun. And uh, props to Capcom, the developer, because the I finally watched the trailer for Resident Evil 8, which has been out since like last summer, but I, I've been avoiding it. And uh, it features uh, Chris Redfield, one of the series' uh, main heroes, uh, just like murdering your wife. <laughs> like he just comes in the room and, and the, the protagonist of the game, who's the same protagonist as Resident Evil 7, says, Chris, what are you doing? And he just says, sorry, and unloads like 20 bullets into the guy's wife who's sitting right there. How audacious. Can't wait. Sounds like a Charles Bronson movie. I'm kind of into it. <laughs> Violence against women. <laughs> Great way to sell a game. I'm sure she's, you know, uh, a, a clone zombie vampire werewolf or something. Maybe she's a Frankenstein. She, maybe she's a mummy. <laughs> she could be an invisible man. <laughs> well, what about you, Patrick? I know we've got a little bit of crossover, but you've texted me with more horror shit than I think you ever have in our friendship during the past week. 
What's oh, been going on? Really? I, I don't know. I don't know about that, but I have watched two horror films in the past week, other than the one that we watched for this podcast. The other night, I uh, revisited Mandy, and holy shit. That still slaps. I had an amazing time with that when I saw it in the theater in the first place, and it was just as delightful as I remembered. It's just kind of a little bit of everything I love all wrapped up into one movie, so that's a real treat. But I also, and and you did as well, Stephen, watched The Wolf House on Shudder uh, in the past week or so, and damn, that really blew my mind. It's a Chilean film, right, Stephen? Yeah. And it's animated, but it is unlike any animation you've ever seen. It's stop-motion animation, but also shot to appear to be a one-shot film. And there is 2D animation uh, that's done on the walls of the uh, 3D set for the stop-motion animation. So it's extremely surreal. There are dreamlike images moving across the walls. The stop-motion figures are constantly decaying and kind of spontaneously putting themselves back together and it's this very dark and surreal uh, fairy tale like story about a girl who runs away from essentially a kind of a cult it's uh, very yeah. uh, strongly referencing uh, real historic events that happened with this German Nazi essentially uh, farm that was established in Chile but uh, really really powerful what were your thoughts Stephen? So it took me a couple of uh, a couple of tries to get into this movie not because I didn't appreciate the craft I love um, kind of out there animation you know in horror specifically I'm thinking of like the Brothers Quay mm-hmm. or Jans Venkmeyer uh, who's done a couple of my very favorite films including his adaptation of Alice in Wonderland this is just it's a lot to process visually emotionally orally it gave me kind of a minor anxiety attack the first two times I tried to watch it and then I decided you know today with my coffee to to give it another shot and um wow it's just spellbinding and uh, something I'm going to want to see again because it politically it's so interesting. I mean, I, there was a period in college where I was really interested in like the political history of Chile and, and Pinochet's mm. regime. So like, there's shadows of that and Nazism, like mm-hmm. two of the biggest, most well documented atrocities in in political history combined into this kind of sort of retelling of little red riding hood yeah um it, it's just it's it's fascinating i've never seen anything like it i almost don't even know how to talk about it yeah can't recommend highly enough check out uh the wolf house on shutter it's super uh short too it's like an hour and 15 minutes so mm-hmm. um it's uh yeah i was i was spellbound well i've got a couple of things i have one that's very horror related that's really quick the new issue of fangoria came within the last couple of weeks and it's got this beautiful cover artwork by ghoulish gary pullen one of my favorite sort of modern illustrators and the cover story is uh about hello mary lou prom night too hell yes an interview with the writer director um i highly recommend you check it out if you ever want to subscribe either to fango online or the the print edition but a couple of key takeaways one i didn't know the director uh is gay and he also wrote the film and a lot of the camp in it is intentional and that he was trying to slip past the distributors. You know, it's very easy to say that 30 years after a movie came out and like whitewash the history, but he, 
he gets into some detail, and I think that's pretty true. But the the big takeaway is there's a prom night three guys, and I am mm-hmm. here for it. I don't know how to watch it. I don't think it's ever had like a you know beyond a, a VHS release. But uh, he wrote and directed that as well, and. Um, apparently it's very meta. This is what I, I learned on Shockwaves this week. I don't know what that looks like for the Prom Night franchise, but uh, I don't know if it's like they're trying to cash in on the on Scream or something, but it sounds like a lot of fun. Did that come out around the time of Scream? I have no idea. They actually oh, don't yeah. e- they don't even really get into it very much in the interview, but it's just mm. like kind of mentioned in passing and I was like, wait, what the fuck? I think mm. I sent you guys the box art for it yeah. a week or so ago. Uh, and wolves seem to be a theme in my life. So I saw another film that is tangentially related to horror that is a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood, uh, kind of similar to elements of the Wolf House. This is called Freeway. It came out in like the late 90s, like 99. It was directed by Matthew Bright, who was in The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo, which was the theater troupe Mm. that Danny Elfman and his brother Richard started out with. They made the movie Forbidden Zone. Danny Elfman started the band Oingo Boingo, then went on to score Tim Burton's movies and, you know, hundreds of others. And this is a movie that, like, could only exist in 1999, and I can't believe it wasn't a bigger deal. So it's a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood. Reese Witherspoon is this, like, foul-mouthed, teenage girl who's been like abused by her drug addled sexually abusive parents they get arrested and she goes out uh, goes out on the road gets picked up by Kiefer Sutherland who's a school guidance counselor I think and he's trying to like encourage her that like life gets better he he can employ some psychological techniques on her to help her cope well it turns out he's actually the i5 killer uh, the i5 famous i5 serial killer and I didn't know there was one there was one. Look it up. It's, it's, I, I go down an I-5 all the time. There's no sign. There's no warning. That's <laughs> not that I-5. The only thing I can say about this movie is it is fucking outrageous. It is grotesque. It is like, it feels like a sequel to Wild at Heart uh, in a lot of ways and the way it's directed and with just like the nastiness of it. And where the horror comes in is Kiefer Sutherland ostensibly gets killed, shot like a dozen times by Reese Witherspoon and he reemerges in this hilariously horrifically deformed fashion. I mean, just Google Kiefer Sutherland freeway. You'll see what I'm talking about. This man gives a hell of a performance when he essentially comes back from the dead to, to find this girl. And because he's still never been proven to be the I five killer. So like he still has some, some stake in the game. And if he can silence her, he might be able to have gotten away with all the child murders he, he uh, perpetrated. Well, look, if we're going to just talk about wolves, quick plug, it's winter time. It's cold outside. If you haven't seen the gray with Liam Neeson. Oh yeah. 11. It's time. God bless. Put in your queue. The tenth anniversary. Oh, it's the tenth anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta watch the gray this year if you haven't already. The colder the day, the better. It, it, it does not pass the Bechtel test, but uh, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any women in the film at all, right? There are no women. Not even on the plane before it crashes. It's yeah. possible that there's a female wolf in the movie. Yeah, who no, who gets yeah. brutalized by being punched in the face by uh, by Liam Neeson? No, this, yeah. is, this is a man's. This is a man's film. Not to say women can't enjoy it, but this is a movie where they were like, let's just make a movie by men for men, which sounds gay as hell. <laughs> I gotta ask. I, I not to. We're not to, to hold up the main event for too long, but okay. I got to ask our listeners maybe for, for some help because, you know, uh, you've probably been listening to a few episodes. You're like, Chris, when is this guy going to stop 
playing video games and, you know, read a fucking book for a change. Well, look, I have so many Stephen King books on my bookshelf right now. I got some for my birthday, which was last or December. Um, and I need to know what I should read. I have right now on my shelf. Let's hear it. I have it. I have Duma Key. I have the Bizarre of Bad Dreams. I have The Outsider. I have Under the Dome. And I have The Institute. So please, someone tell me. Give me a homework assignment. Tell me what Stephen King book to read. And I'll have some accountability and I'll get it done. I mean, I got to say, that's a lot of recent King. And I've heard he's, you know, still okay. But you got to read it, man. Oh, I've heard he's better yeah. than ever. I've heard, I, I think the consensus among the, the uh, what are they called? The the true true avid readers was that his fan group king kings of leon the, the little true, true believers is that true believers what what do you call a stephen king fan it's not that a little a, monster that was a Lady Gaga. reference um, i don't know what they call him no. uh, king king heads <laughs> i think it's like king, avid avid readers or something like that i don't know kings of anyway, the stone age but I, I think the consensus among the stephen king fans is that he's only gotten better in the last few years Hmm. Is it constant reader? Is that the term you're looking yes, for? Yes, constant okay, reader. Thank you. Yeah. See, you you pretend you didn't know what I was talking about. It was just buried deep in there. All right, so that was a fun catch-up. Let's get down to business. We watched uh, Hashtag Alive. This is a South Korean movie, I assume? Yes. They, they, don't, they don't have film they don't have films. in North Korea. No, no, no. Um, if they do, I don't think we'd want to know about it. So this is a, a film about a young boy. Uh, he's stuck at home alone. Uh, his parents go off on vacation. I mean, think about which movie that might remind you of. And a zombie outbreak happens, and he's trying to find a fucking Wi-Fi connection. There's your movie. He's at least teenage. He's maybe in his 20s. I yeah, think. young like, boy was maybe <laughs> not the best way to set it up. He's basically Chris. He's locked in his apartment just gaming. Playing video games. Gaming uncontrollably. Now, now, the context you should understand is that gaming is huge in South Korea. And, you know, especially esports. Um, if, if you are a professional esports player like it, it's bigger than the nfl is in america like league of legends starcraft 2 that kind of stuff like that's like the national sport of south korea so they're uh, extremely online extremely tech savvy um and and that's kind of uh kind of what this movie's about <laughs> i don't really know just kind of uh technology and and social media and connections between people how it could be used Sure, if we're looking for a theme that's that's definitely in there, it's about how like technology actually makes us less connected than ever. Might be the thesis of this film. I mean, look, oh, I, I disagree, but we'll, really? we'll get into it. Well, oh, God, I can't wait to talk about the very end of this movie, but yeah. we got a while to go before that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's this is essentially your movie. He's trapped in his apartment. He's trying to figure out how to make a connection, how to contact his parents and his sister. There's a zombie outbreak, and if you've seen a zombie movie, you know exactly what we're talking about. There's there's no twist. It's just zombie outbreak. There's no twist. There's no. There's not even like a. I mean, maybe I missed something, but there's not even like a sub, like a social subtext of like how the zombies, how the zombie outbreak even happened. It just happens. Suddenly, it's on the news. His he finds out first from his gamer friends and in his chat room while he's playing games, and and it just happens. And he's stuck in his apartment and he's trying to find a connection with the outside world. He starts to think he might be, you know, aside from a, a like one or two survivors in his building who he sees get off, like he might be the only one left, the last man on earth. And frankly, I like that. I like that we were almost immediately just thrown into this situation. There was very little explanation given as to how this outbreak had occurred. I, I liked it. Like you're immediately into 
action and conflict and this kid freaking out trying to figure out how the fuck to survive he lives with his family who have all gone out uh leaving him as you said home alone so you know he's worried about where his family is how he's going to survive it's a, a scenario that grips you quickly and it's also a familiar scenario. I mean, this is a 2020 movie we should mention yeah. it, uh, because it really, it, it, the parallels between what's going on with this guy and what's been going on with all of us under the COVID-19 situation are, are pretty uh, obvious, but it feels like a movie that was, you know, uh, maybe a few years old and has taken on new relevancy now that we're all stuck in our apartments with a pandemic outside. But this actually came out. Um, it, I mean, obviously, it wasn't produced with the knowledge that COVID-19 was going to happen, but um, uh, it came out in the midst of the pandemic. So this is actually relevant to current events. Yeah, and more so than, I mean, this doesn't have very, spoiler alert, this doesn't have very much to offer the zombie genre, except that it is you know, it's much faster paced storytelling. It doesn't really care about the backstory of the the event so much. Um, but it is very much a movie for a while about being stuck at home. And it really leans into that in a way that felt relevant to me. Like, it, like yeah, of course it was a coincidence, but I don't know that I've seen some of the details of living in times like this in a zombie film before. There's this great bit where, um, unfortunately, the character has to go and say it out loud, but uh, he, he, like, wakes up late, his family's gone, his mom has left him a note, or she texts him or whatever, like, there's no there's no food, here's some money, go get groceries. And that he should have done that. He would have had time to do that and get back home, but unfortunately, he's left with, like, some ramen and some like peanut butter and whatever. And he's got to figure out how to make how many meals he can make out of the scraps left in the cupboards because it's not safe to go out to the grocery store. That really kind of hit home with me. I really like that. I kind of have a, have a discussion question for y'all. If you want to go there, sure. Like how long could you live starting today? If you had to stay in your apartment like this guy? Oh, probably a while. What you got in your pantry? (laughs) I tend to have a shitload of food. So as long as I have like still water that I could like cook, you know, some rice and things like that with, I could, yeah, I'm probably good for at least a couple weeks. I could probably last three weeks. I've got rice and beans out the ass. Mm. Um, God, I don't know. I'm just thinking, Patrick, your fridge is always so packed. Does it still look like that during the pandemic? Oh, yeah. I mean, I go to the store every week just like I usually do, and actually more often than every week. What about you, Chris? I wouldn't be eating well, but I could. I think I could subsist for for quite some time um, based on canned goods and like you know I've got like a lot of flour and stuff. I mean, worst comes to worst, you just eat some flour, right? (laughs) (laughs) But the I mean, the water eventually gets shut off um, on this guy, and and that's a more immediate problem. Yeah, I'd be worried about my cats too, because you know you got to take care of your pets, and uh, you know they need water, they need food, they need flour. Yeah, I don't do bottled water, and I we don't buy a lot of cat food at one time. So if the water got turned off, that would be a shit show. Although right now there is all this snow, so that would be helpful. Yeah, right now I could get some snow off the fire escape or something. Yeah. <laughs> How terrible is it that I didn't even consider my cat in this equation? <laughs> 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 Thankfully, I did just buy a new bag of cat food, but that'll last like a week and a half, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's scary. I suppose um, I could start to ration it out and just give her like four little pebbles at a time and shrink her stomach to get used to it. I don't or know if I mean, work I, on a cat, but I could try. I could just stay here and order DoorDash. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but actually, you know, if I, it, I mean, I guess I have some complaints about this movie, but I was going to say, if I had one complaint about this movie, it would be that it doesn't really go into the detail of how this guy's going to survive in his apartment uh, for all this time. And maybe it's not really a movie about that, but, you know, it sets up pretty early on that he has, you know, so many pieces of food in his apartment he's trying to ration them on like day two and then we kind of just skip to like day six or day ten or something and he's just drinking he just raids the liquor cabinet like this this is not apollo 13 like it it is not really concerned with taking (laughs) our accurate inventory of this guy's food and 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 how he's gonna survive it's just kind of like oh he's low on food now it's 10 days later he's still alive but he's still low on food um I, I didn't like that. Well, I was going to say, I mean, part of his uh, early strategy, which becomes relevant later, I guess, is he posts on social media, like letting people know that he's alive with the hashtag, I will survive. He just gets all the all the Gloria Gaynor fans are, are, are yeah. <laughs> following him. <laughs> <laughs> That's our spoiler room break music right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that becomes relevant later, I guess. I don't know. I well, he, a lot of the movie is about him deciding whether or not he wants to stay alive. I mean, I think he's, yeah. like, kind of trying to drink himself to death at one point in this. At one point, he, like, loses his mind watching uh, a TV commercial or program about ramen and he eats the last of his ramen in like an almost erotic fashion like basically (laughs) he's decided like all right i'm like this is my last meal i'm done like i just can't i can't have it anymore whatever happens next like it's out of my hands yeah i mean to be fair he has a few encounters with the zombies like he's not just you know being a baby about it and holding up in the apartment like and a zombie almost gets into the apartment or does get into the apartment very, very early on. Yeah. Uh, we have one who like sort of mysteriously emerges from behind the fridge at one point. So he has some quite traumatic experiences with the zombies where you understand why he's not even going to try leaving to try and find food, find his family, whatever, you know, you, you do understand the, the conflict and why he gets to a point where he's just like, I'm out of food. I'm out of water. I'm going to kill myself, you know? I'm glad that you said that the zombie mysteriously emerges from behind the fridge because I was really confused by that right? sequence as well. I was like, wait, did I – is this like a blink and you miss it sort of thing? What the fuck is happening here? Did you did you pick up, Chris, how that zombie got in there behind the fridge? Well, the, the fridge was there to barricade the apartment door. Yeah. So we, it just kind of came in through the door. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. but but he ends up tricking that zombie into falling off the balcony, and then we see him dangling from the balcony, and it's like or, or we see our hero dangling from the balcony, and it looks like it's going to be pretty hard for him to climb back in, and there's a little suspense where he's hanging there, and there's ravenous zombies below him, and then it's just like scene change, and he's back in his apartment, <laughs> which is just kind of like a continuation of this thing I'm talking about where it kind of puts our guy in a tree and then doesn't really show us how he's solving this problem and it's not believable that he would be able to necessarily pull himself up because he's not like one thing about this character is he's not very fit he's not unfit but he's just like kind of like a normal like slightly pudgy teenager you know like he's not he clearly is not one of these people that's been like prepared for the zombie apocalypse or survival by any means he stays in his bedroom and plays video games all day all night to the point that he misses saying goodbye to his family so it's kind of fun to watch this like goofy awkward gangly kid like fight his way through these situations and like find the courage to fight the zombies 
I enjoyed that quite a bit. I guess. I mean, the character was very felt very underdeveloped to me and I was either I felt very neutral about him or he actively annoyed me throughout the entire movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I yeah, I, I wasn't annoyed by him. I don't know. This this movie I it was just it was kind of a bit of a flatliner for me. Like it looked good. It was generally well put together. Uh I, I don't know. I just there's not a lot going on there. I'm with you, Patrick. It was like it was a relatively enjoyable watch. I feel like I'm already giving my review of it, but I mean, it yeah. just, like I keep saying, it, it, it's already sounding old to to my own ears. But like, it doesn't offer anything new to the the zombie genre at all. There's a couple of what I found to be mildly thrilling sequences that got my heart rate up, but there's not a lot to cling to. There aren't any big ideas. Um, yeah, it's just kind of. It's just kind of meh. It's serviceable. If you've never seen a zombie movie in set in South Korea before. If, if you're going to watch a zombie movie from South Korea, this is not the first one you should reach for now. <laughs> no, by a long <laughs> shot. We can recommend at least one other that we've reviewed on the show. Yeah, <laughs> Train to Busan, baby. But you know what? I, I think I am actually coming, up, uh, coming around to liking the zombie genre. Really? Um, which I never have liked the zombie genre, and I, I have some serious issues with the zombie genre, but I tend to like most of the movies we see that involve zombies, and I can't explain it. I think I like... I, I, the concept of zombies themselves don't, uh, don't interest me, but I do like the survival aspects. And, yeah. You know, scavenging for food and, and that kind of thing. When you get into the, the movies that are more about just, like, shooting people, you lose me, but... I don't know. There's something about, and I, obviously there are many zombie movies that I do like, but something about the genre just, I don't know. It, I have a hard time connecting with it because it's so it's so repetitive. You know, at least with a slasher movie, and I'm also, I mean, slashers are not exactly my favorite genre either. But at least with a slasher movie, you can like design a unique slasher who looks different from the other ones or has a different motive or yeah. acts in a different way. Zombies are pretty much always going to be the same kind of threat. You're either going to have slow zombies or you're going to have fast zombies, and you're going to have the same conflicts where you're trying to find food. You know, your loved one gets bit. Like it's kind of just the same shit rearranged in different ways with a number of outstanding exceptions obviously i'm not applying this to the entire genre but i I think that's the main reason that it fails to click with me a lot of the time is because it's inherently so repetitive i mean it's more of a setting than than a premise really yeah like like when i think about train to busan like train to busan was good because of the individual set pieces and the suspense and Mm -hmm. the human elements not really because it was interesting that there were zombies and i think you can tell these same kinds of stories without zombies too which is why i'm like uh, it's a little bit mystifying to me that these kind of boilerplate zombie movies keep coming out i mean i'm thinking of i mean stephen king has a million stories about like five to a dozen people trapped inside a supermarket or whatever and there's like a Lovecraftian threat outside the door instead of zombies. You know, like... It, it, the, the, the Bird box! Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's, that's a big swing, though. You know, I mean, it, it, it took a chance. And I'd like to see that... I do like to see that kind of creativity, even if it doesn't always land. Uh, but zombies, yeah, I'm just... I'm tired of looking at them. I'm tired of the herky-jerky editing to make them look like they, they have, um, like, extra joints in their, <laughs> their limbs. It's just... 
I don't know. I was over I, it 10 years ago. <laughs> I did like the personalities that the zombies in this movie had. I thought that that was above average in terms of individual zombies kind of having uh, individual character, whether it was just in the way they looked or they moved, or they make a point of saying that they've retained knowledge from their previous careers, etc. So there's a hilarious sequence where there's a firefighter zombie who's like climbing yeah. up a rope to get, get our hero. <laughs> Love that. There is, I will say, there is one zombie in this that creeped me out um you've jogged my memory there's one who's just like walking down the hall he's like very skinny he has kind of like a bird-like face and he just keeps popping his mouth open and like kicking his head back over and over again do you know the <laughs> there, one was a, there was about? a there was like a blind one who was like using echolocation or something <laughs> like, he like clickers he was like, yeah he was like chirping as he was like walking down the hall and he didn't seem to have any eyes that was scary i think that's the one i'm talking about yeah, yeah not yeah. not original but scary yeah yeah, I mean, zombie movie, that, that's, that's I think, a pretty good way to characterize it, that they are a setting, and you got to give me either some really interesting, outstanding characters or some kind of thematic resonance to really draw me in, or an interesting setting within the setting. You know, if you have, uh, I always mix it up, is it Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead that's in the mall? Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead in the mall. Obviously, extremely memorable, and you get thematic shit out of that setting itself. Um, but this, I mean, apartment building, uh, whatever, fine. And the characters, again, serviceable, but not that memorable to me. And the thematic stuff, and again, we're going to probably get into it a little bit deeper in the spoiler room, but I don't know. It just it felt very um, slapdash, the attempts at making some some sort of thematic statement on technology and connection. Like, just because you have social media and you attempt to kind of put this little bow on it at the end doesn't mean that you've actually made some sort of commentary on social media yeah. and connection. Hashtag that, that horror. Did, this is not, <laughs> it, it, it did not, it did not coalesce for me. So, I mean, we keep saying there are characters, but we've only talked essentially about the one character uh, so far, but we do have two protagonists essentially in the end as our, uh, you know, our gamer dude, has kind of uh, you know just reached a point of absolute desperation and is trying to uh, hang himself from his uh, ceiling light fixture. He realizes there is another non-zombified person right across the way in the apartment complex. Yeah, it was that was a pretty harrowing uh, hanging sequence. Oof, yeah, it too. is. It's rough. That was that's gonna feels I, very real. That's going to be censored off Netflix in a, in a year or two, <laughs> <laughs> possibly sooner than that. That was really stressful. I mean, with the with the red dot and it, you know, all over him. You don't know if it's a sniper or what. Like, oh I yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I was on the edge of my seat. You see a laser kind of interrupts him, and he realizes that there's a, a young woman across the across the apartment block who's watching him and shining a laser at him. And they start to communicate. She starts like using the laser pointer. Like it reminded me of Ghost Rider. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, there's this little dot like highlighting words all over his apartment. <laughs> oh my god, Chris, I love that. Um, but but you know they they kind of develop a friendship, and the problem with this is that that character and and I, I, I'm going to do my best with the names here. Uh, I mean, her name is is Yu Bin. That's how it's spelled in the subtitles but when they pronounce it it doesn't sound anything like that so um i don't know the proper way to pronounce korean um he also seems like confused by her name do you guys remember this when when he when he figures out what her name is he's like puzzling over it for a moment and like laughing and then looking confused like it's i feel like there's a joke there that's just lost in translation Mm. probably um 
But she is, for my money, so much more interesting than our protagonist. And they do a much better job, I think, of characterizing her in like 15 seconds than they do with the half hour that we've watched our hero to that point. Like like I said, our hero is kind of a blank slate. And then when we finally get to see inside her apartment, we see that she's like set up all these systems and she's got like a little tent and a lantern. And it's like she's like camping inside her apartment trying to stay warm. And she's rationing her supplies very deliberately. And she's set up booby traps to keep the zombies out and then oh, yeah. of course the most touching moment where she has like you know half a ration of water left and she decides to give it to her plants in the pot uh-huh. <laughs> that was just that that plant is the, the the whole movie hinges on that plant it's like the, the professional yeah <laughs> natalie portman I hope they sent someone back to retrieve the plant uh, at the end of the movie. <laughs> I, as someone who just acquired a snake plant, um, I, I think the plant was probably my favorite character in the movie. And that, that those plants are fine. You don't even have to water those things. It's I've true. kept those things alive. Yeah, I mean, Yubin is actually active and resourceful, which, <laughs> like, just that alone makes her so much more interesting than... What, what's the boy's name june woo june woo yeah just makes her head and shoulders above him in terms of yeah just general interest to begin with Mm -hmm. so i'm really glad that she was in this movie um i think she really elevated the movie when she was on screen but it also just made me more frustrated that our hero was just so not interesting to me yeah i mean it's kind of the point but like, like, I mean, she even jokes at what, you know, like, wh- oh my God, is he an idiot? Like, she's finally found someone else and like, he just like can't figure out how to like signal, how to communicate uh, wordlessly or do the charades necessary to have a conversation with her while the zombies are lurking below. And uh, there's some, there's a little bit of humor in that, um, but not enough to justify that character being our protagonist, um, the one who we begin the film following. It is a little bizarre. Yeah, but yeah, they you know use drones and little makeshift zip lines and stuff, and steal walkie talkies and start sending food and stuff back to e- back and forth to each other, communicating with each other, and uh, eventually start to hatch a plan to both escape from their apartments and get up to the eighth floor of Jun Wu's building, which they believe is completely empty so they assume they'll be safe there oh boy and it's out of the frying pan and into the fire for them <laughs> turns mm-hmm. out i think we might need to talk about that in the spoiler room though. i think so yeah let's move the spoiler room up to the eighth floor and uh... <laughs> <laughs> fly our drones up there yeah <laughs> F- figure it out but first we got to review it we got to review it who wants to go first steven picked it so i think steven yeah. should go first did you choose wisely or did you choose poorly <laughs> well my choice was kind of arbitrary um it was the there was nothing else i wanted to watch on netflix the last time we had to choose that i hadn't already seen so i was like well we've gone to the end of the alphabet let's go back to the beginning yeah i don't know it, it, it's a cue it like i don't have any malice toward this film it was enjoyable enough to watch um mildly entertaining uh, i'll probably completely forget it after we finish recording this episode but it, it's well put together enough for what it is and there were a couple of like genuinely thrilling moments in this movie to me they might have been thrilling just in contrast to everything else i don't know but uh yeah i'm gonna stick with the cue it and be generous chris yeah, I'm glad you called on me because I just co-sign everything you said, and I don't really have anything else to add to it. Uh, Great. It's, it, it's, <laughs> it's a cue it, uh, for all the reasons you just said. Patrick. 
Uh, I feel bad about this, but I'm actually going to give it like the world's gentlest screw it. As I've said, it's it's serviceable. It's even good, I guess. But also it was just, again, did so little for me that if someone is genuinely like on the bubble trying to figure out if they should watch it or not, I can't really recommend it. So yeah, I guess I got to almost regretfully give it a screw it. Hey, I was on the fence, so I'm totally sympathetic to your screw it. I get it. I think this movie really benefit from the pandemic uh, because I, I, I think it, you know, watching this movie at a time when so many of us are stuck in our apartments wondering if we have enough food or if we have to risk our life to go to the grocery store helps this movie a little bit. And it helps it resonate in a way that it just wouldn't otherwise. You know what? If you want to watch an accidental pandemic-appropriate movie, go watch Scare Me on Shudder. Mm. What? Are you kidding me? Why? In the whole movie, they're trapped in a cabin without warmth or supplies. But that, that's not what Scare Me's about, though. It's not what it's about. But what do you mean they have supplies? They order pizza. There's, they're talking with new friends. They're making new friends. They're dancing. They're singing. That no one's wearing a mask. I don't know. I, I related to it pretty hardcore. Yeah, we can order pizza during the pandemic, but it, whatever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We're, we're, we're gonna fly our drones down to the spoiler room. We'll see you in a moment. Hopefully, hopefully our battery uh, holds out. Hopefully there's Wi-Fi down there. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I think you have to go up for that. All right, we're up here on the eighth floor. We've moved the spoiler room because we get a better Wi-Fi signal up here. We're going to get into it on Hashtag Alive. I'm winded from running up those stairs. Dude, honestly, like when they finally actually like put this plan in motion, this is probably my actual favorite scene of the movie is when Yubin, right, is her name? I don't know. I closed that tab. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with you, Ben. Correct me uh, if you if you end up finding out that's that's wrong. You, Ben, makes it out of the apartment and does this like mad dash across the parking lot where she's just dodging zombies, like slamming car doors into zombies. She and- goes full Mila. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, that's a great comparison. Yeah, it's very like Resident Evil esque. The sort of incredible capability with which she dispatches these zombies and it's fun it's an action-packed scene i had a blast with that maybe the high point of the movie for me i really like the scene right before they kind of make their their mad dash where um our other hero jun woo is is scavenging for supplies and he finds that his neighbor happens to be a mountaineer and has literally (laughs) everything you could ever want in this situation including nutella yeah, Nutella, um, walkie-talkies, and a whole bunch of other shit that he's not able to scavenge because zombies scare him away. But that was, I was like, yes, yes, this is this is what you want. I was very excited about that. Um, but yeah, they, there's a little harrowing sequence where they they rush across the little parking lot through all the zombies, and they try to get they they get up to the eighth floor, and I guess they didn't realize that just because there's no zombies on the eighth floor doesn't mean you're not going to bring the horde down on you when you run through them all and then up to the eighth floor and and that's pretty much what happens 
Yeah, and it's up there that they get they get rescued by what seems like a, a kindly middle aged man. Right? <laughs> they get rescued by bad vibes, big bad vibe or something. <laughs> it's like I've seen a zombie movie before. <laughs> yeah, he does not take long at all to show his true colors and and feed them apparently drugged spam. He drugs their water. No, I know. Uh, I'm just joking. Okay. I mean there might have been drugs in the spam too, who the fuck knows? I was getting big, like, Tim Robbins in World of Worlds vibes. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Oh, I have, but I don't remember shit about it. it um, I mean, he just really telegraphs, it, and it's this is a trope in zombie movies, too. Yeah. I mean, I've, you always have, like, the one survivor who's a, who's a little too friendly, and then turns out he's just fucking crazy. Well, and it turns out that his, his wife has turned into a zombie, but he's trying to keep her fed because he's still in love with her and can't accept that that is the state she is going to exist in until... Yeah, perishes. That was interesting. I like that. I'm like, yeah, he's he's getting he's baiting these kids in, and he's gonna drug them and feed them to his wife. Because what else is he gonna do? Let his wife starve? You know? To me, that was just Walking Dead shit. Like that that bit has been done in at least a few different ways in the Walking Dead, the comics at least, and and I'm sure that was not an original idea even in the Walking Dead. I don't know this that whole that whole bit that whole thread felt very weird, like out of left field, and it happened so yeah. late. It's just a, a strange way to escalate the conflict by introducing a completely new character. Uh, it, it just it almost feels like padding. It's like we gotta we gotta escalate the action somehow in this final stretch. So all right, let's throw in this guy. And I have to say, I was really enjoying the vibe of these two being completely isolated. You know, they're yeah. the last humans on this block, and it was very late in the game that we get introduced to another human. And I just like had to kind of check the runtime for a minute. Like, wait. Whatever is about to happen here, how can they possibly shoehorn that into like sort of a traditional ninety minute movie length? Yeah, it was odd. It's it's pretty, uh, uh, and again, it does the same thing that I've been complaining about, where Yubin uh, gets gets restrained and taken into this bedroom where zombie wife is basically on a leash, and uh-huh. and and the bad vibes dude is letting the slack on the leash go from the other side of the door so that the wife can can go eat you ben uh we never really see what happens on the other side of this door and from the looks of the leash which at one point goes completely slack for multiple minutes yes. and you hear you been screaming it sounds like you ben should have been eaten by the zombie but nope when we open the door she's fine and we don't really know like like it, they, they set up some pretty clear stakes but then didn't really care to show us how our characters uh, dealt with them and and that's kind of a recurring pattern in this movie that makes it so frustrating. I'm glad you brought that up Chris because this device of the leash which is kind of like it's kind of like a makeshift like pulley system or whatever like we don't fully understand how it works uh, but at no point does it seem logical like it's yeah. it seems like it exists just to make the scene yes. as tense as it needs to be whenever it needs to be it's so weird. It made sense to me. What what practical purpose would he have used that for because when you have your zombie wife in the bedroom and you want to see her or you want to feed her you don't want her to be eating you 
So you you keep her restrained. But yeah, you, I guess you give that's her the true. slack she needs to navigate the room. But there's a moment where I don't know. I mean, my memory of this is hazy because it was at least to me very confusing. But there's a moment where our male protagonist wakes up, and like stuff happens with the leash and like how long it is and like where's it? it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I, um, I, I need to better understand the spatial geometry of this room. We need to go Glenn back here and bust out our whiteboard and figure this out. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you're joking, but that is what I wanted to see. No, like this. Like yeah. I want to understand. I want to understand yes. the rules. I want to understand. Yeah, yeah. You want to understand the 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 room. You want you want it to be uh, like Die Hard. This yeah. is the kind of thing that you put at the beginning of a zombie movie to establish that there are you know like we've seen in a million zombie things already. But like, if you're making the kind of movie where you want to establish that like you can't trust everyone or you can't trust anyone, I can't get over how bizarre it is to me that this is dropped in like the last. 25 minutes of this film. Strange. Eh, that didn't really bother me. I don't know. But I, I wonder what the utility of this sequence is, other than, I guess, they find out from this guy that there's rescue helicopters coming to check their roofs, and so they end up planning to go to the roof later. But you can't trust anything this guy says. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know. It's it's weird. There were some good emotional beats. Uh, you know, I, I, I did like the scene where they're all at the table talking, but... Um, yeah, and it wasn't a surprising twist. Like I said, this guy was bad vibes from the word go. Well, and then they escape him, kill him. But then Yubin asks Junwoo to kill her, which I, I, I rewatched that scene because I just didn't understand, honestly, why she wanted that in that moment. I, I don't know. It just didn't seem like after all the effort that they put in that hope was lost to that degree no they're they're in an apartment with a guy who has a stockpile of bottled water spam yeah. nutella poison weapons all kinds got of a shit. corpse they can eat if they need to yeah <laughs> um but yeah she's just like want to do a murder suicide and they almost do didn't make sense very strange but then like at the last moment right is that when they see the helicopter yeah, they, they hear the helicopters just as uh, Jun Woo is, is, you know, fights through his tears and decides to kill this girl for no reason. Right. So then they decide to run up to the roof, look for the helicopters, flag the helicopters down. The helicopters pass them over at first. Zombies swarm onto the roof. And you think that our heroes are going to be consumed by zombies. But, of course, the deus ex machina helicopter, like, flies up behind them, like, over the rooftop. It's very very whatever resident evil movie we watched like even the rooftop looked the same <laughs> and just wastes the zombies yeah but yeah and then uh, jun woo still has his revolver so he uses his like last three bullets to just fire them into the horde of 200 zombies i don't know what he thought he was accomplishing you know this the school i come from when there's 200 zombies descending on you and there's two of you and you got three bullets that's when you do the murder suicide like you don't waste your you don't waste your three bullets just pumping them into the horn i mean i guess Um, that's a good point i feel like i would have done the same (laughs) thing though actually i would have attempted to like go down swinging i mean i feel like my my animal instinct would have just been shoot whatever zombies i can yeah i don't just to feel like you have some agency yeah now that you've got the south korean military behind your back and you're safe (laughs) but yeah the 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 military helicopter comes up from underneath the eighth floor of the building so it was flying real low waste and and yeah they they just start plinking the zombies and our heroes get in the chopper and they're like echo four nine bravo niner we have two survivors taking them to tango camp over 
And our heroes look on their phones, or at least uh, Jun Woo looks on his phone and sees that he has service again. And he's got messages. And, and that's maybe something we should talk about in passing. Um, you know, there's a lot of text messages, a lot of social media notifications in this movie. It's all in Korean, so we can't really say what it says, uh, see what it says. It's not that yeah. important. Yeah. But, like, getting having service or not having service is, like, kind of a big deal in this movie. Well, as I said at the outset, it's the biggest deal in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the emotional resolution of this movie is that his phone now has service and he can get his Instagram notifications again. Well, and then we end on this shot of, like, seeing, like, other people, like, little avatars pop up around the city of people who are sharing their locations on social media, and it just felt like suddenly this is a propaganda film. It felt like a T-Mobile commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It was so weird. I, I, like, almost laughed out loud. I was like, wait, is the whole point of this movie to, like, constantly be on social media, constantly make sure that your whereabouts are known so that the government can find you if they need to or if they don't need to and they just want to fuck with you? Yeah, because that's how the, the army finds... Jun oh, Wu of course. and Yu Bin is by the social media posts that Jun Wu had made earlier in the movie. And then we see that people are doing it all over the city and presumably that's how they're going to also make it out of this situation. Yeah, it, it is it is very strange. The the theme such as it is just seems so almost childish and just thinly sketched i guess the point is just you know social media can save you that's what it felt like to me at the end can yeah. keep you hashtag alive you been as far as i can remember doesn't have a phone she's not very online and i know for a fact that when they get in the helicopter at the end she doesn't have a phone so like her service doesn't come back in. We see all that through through Jun Woo's perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the point in a way is that they both have skills that each other can use, <laughs> and they kind of her practical, like sort of more tangible, real world skills are help save him, and his you know technological skills help save her. I, I guess maybe it's also something about you know those two things being inseparable and going hand in hand in this whole situation. I, I think that's what they're trying to do and be, and it kind of answers the question i had for the whole movie which is what does jun Wu bring to the table in this partnership because he is an idiot for the most part compared to her yeah uh, but he has she, an instagram is, account yeah he's he's, he's good at posting <laughs> wow i guess i'm worth something <laughs> he's online and i was like especially as like i was wondering if this is gonna be like a, a budding romance or something i was like this is this is like you can do better than this guy. <laughs> That's the weird thing about this too, about this relationship that we haven't really touched on. Like I fully expected it to be a romance, a, like a zombie meet cute, you know, the unlikeliest pair. And it never really veers into that territory at all. Yeah. Which I, well, there's, which I, I guess I'll give it credit for because that would have been all too predictable. Yeah. There's the one scene, which I haven't really seen in any other movie. Um, I don't understand uh, how the Korean language works, but I think there's a reference to, uh, they switch from using like formal pronouns to informal pronouns. Uh, mm. when they're like in on the elevator and and he says something to her it's subtitled as oh you're speaking casually huh and she's like so are you <laughs> oh yeah that's right yeah um so that's a little bit of a, a friendship or something blossoming but yeah once they're on the helicopter there's no there's no lovely gazes or anything it's just all looking at the phone <laughs> um and being happy that i'm back online back to posting 
Dude, maybe June Wu is the greatest poster of all time. <laughs> and then you can go from uh, hashtag I will survive to hashtag alive. So spoiler alert, that was uh, yeah. the title. The ending of the movie is the title. Yes, it is. Love it when that happens. <laughs> like the Dark Knight Rises. Or like, <laughs> and he's, he's literally on a riser. <laughs> or like like Freddy's, Freddy's Dead, where, we, where Freddy <laughs> yeah. dies and then we get the Freddy's Dead theme song. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> what other movies are like that? I feel like quite a few. Get back to me in like an hour long after we're done recording and I'll have time I know. <laughs> I know. Patreon I'm gonna, content. Or, I'm going to be thinking about this for some time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, that, so that's it. That, that's your movie. Hashtag alive. Oh, I feel hashtag dead after talking about this for so long. Thoughts and prayers for everyone who, who was hashtag dead by the end of the movie. I want to see the movie about zombies who are on Instagram. I actually have an idea for a zombie movie, um, and I think South Korea is maybe the only place it could be set. Do tell me more. Um, I'll tell I'll tell you more. So, you know, I don't like zombie movies, and and one of the reasons I I don't like zombie movies is because I feel like there's a a gr- their their popularity is due to a really kind of gross and dark fantasy that people have about what if all these guns that I own as an American citizen I had an excuse to just kill people. That's true. And when we were, when I was a teenager, at least of my friends who were like zombie preppers, we would dream of owning those guns or finding a stockpile of them. Like the 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 weaponry is inherent in the fantasy. So right. I, I'm following. Right. So so my idea for a zombie movie would be um, there's been a zombie outbreak in a place, and I was thinking of like the U.S. and I thought maybe a part of Canada, but I I think South Korea makes the most sense because it's a peninsula bordered on the land side with a demilitarized zone so it's basically just totally cordoned off from the rest of the world um but there's been a zombie outbreak it happened and now it's years later and uh private industry has uh basically opened it up sort of like a jurassic park for these uh people to go and exercise their fantasies so you get like right wing people who get a travel package and they and it's like and they're like oh don't worry it's it's safe as long as you stay on the resort so they bring their families and everything which you know that's that's how there's there's going to be commentary about colonialism imperialism how the the developed world exploits the the third world etc um and then you know that they the guys take day trips into like the shit and kill zombies you know for sport on safari basically on safari basically um and then of course you know of course the the guardrails have to come off and they end up in the real shit and I, i don't really know how it plays out except i know it ends with one of the guys you know the the uh, the patriot like getting bit by a zombie and like you know hiding it and bringing it back to the u.s (laughs) (laughs) so it's like the hunt uh i haven't seen the hunt but yeah sure have you seen the hunt patrick no I actually, I was, I, I was gonna say sadly no, but I don't even know if it's a sadly. I'm gonna watch it now that it's free on streaming. Like just because it was such a fucking shit show of a release strategy that they had of like, um, like I can't, I can think of a few other movies that had such a like depressing crawl to the finish line of getting released. It, which happened to be in the middle of a pandemic after everything that it went through. Like, I just, I just have to know what all the fuss is about. Yeah. It's probably nothing. It's probably a totally banal movie, but yeah, I would think so. Well, that's it. That's your movie. Hashtag alive. Uh, what are we watching next week? 
Yeah, what are we watching next week, Wheel of Death? We gotta ask the wheel. We gotta ask the cyber wheel. We've got every horror movie on Netflix programmed into this randomized wheel. We're gonna give it a spin, find out what the hell we have to watch next time. Are you ready? So ready. All right, I'm gonna give it a spin. Oh my! All right. The movie is Await Further Instructions. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, I uh, let me see what the Netflix description says. I I feel like this is like another like Saw type movie, like Would You Rather. Um, oh, it's it a says, Christmas movie. Oh, is it? Great. Uh, British film from 2018. It says a family's tense reunion turns terrifying when they get trapped in their home by an unknown force and sinister commands begin appearing on their TV. Directed by Johnny Kevorkian. Ooh, that gives me the chills. Known as Jack for short. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Um, I, uh, I would just, personally, I would just turn off the TV. (laughs) <laughs> cut the cord I hope there's a scene where they try to turn off the TV or unplug it and it stays on <laughs> it won't turn off <laughs> or they, they turn off the TV and one of their one of the family members just drops dead instantly well can't wait can't wait to await further instructions so uh, yeah you can you can await that on our next episode how about that yeah and your instructions are to, to go to whatever your podcast uh, service of choice is and rate review us you know leave us some some nice comments we like the nice positive stuff more than anything yes else, right? say good things good things only uh, yeah if, if you can you can say bad things too but you can you can write those on a little slip of paper and and put it in, throw it into the ocean <laughs> <laughs> or or your toilet. Yeah, wishing well. <laughs> yeah, rate, review us, hit up your social media platforms, follow us at Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N-Cast, or uh, check out our website at everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. We've got a merch store there if you'd like to get a t-shirt or a coffee mug or something with uh, Every Horror Movie on Netflix art on it. And we've also got the master list out there of every movie that we've ever reviewed and the ratings that we've given them. Right on. Well, for every horror movie on Netflix, this has been Steven. This has been Chris. And this has been Patrick. See you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye.